filters yeah if know. we could get one that i could project you know from my consciousness so that's what everybody saw yeah i uh I would, you yeah. look at some of these these instagram uh what do you call them those the influencers yeah no the uh, instagram used to be pictures but now it's like videos right. there's a word for that those videos and the word is yeah i don't know what it is but anyway videos uh no but people like who put those filters on they don't look like they don't look human no, and it looks like there's do. something really weird going on with the face. Yeah, you know? it looks like CGI or something. And and I see them; they post these like all the time. Yeah, and I'm thinking, do you think anybody is like fooled and goes, "Oh wow, they have the most perfect features <laughs> of all"? It looks like live, you know, anime. You know, it's just so disingenuous. I mean, I don't the, know. The whole thing is so meta, though, because yeah. like. There's this whole subset of videos that people make. They're called reels. Reels. Yes, reels. Okay. So there's, there's this whole subset of reels that people make showing what they actually look like without the makeup on. <laughs> so that's awesome. I, I don't know. Do you, have you ever heard of this woman, uh, Celeste Barber? Mm-mm. Okay. So she's like, um, she's probably in her early 40s, you know, just sort of a regular looking human being, right? Like, like nice. anybody. But what she does, and her claim to she became extremely internet famous instagram famous because she um she she shows she she makes a reel and she shows like a supermodel like dancing around in their house and you know making these weird motions and then they cut to her and then she's doing it but she's like a normal looking human <laughs> so the whole the, the juxtaposition it's like fucking hilarious yeah. because some of these you, know, you think so these models yeah. just lounge around all day you know wiping their brow <laughs> and then she sits there and does it and it's hilarious Celeste Barber <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes um, for that you got to check that out it's yeah hilarious. they have video filters just like the picture ones I think because yeah. sometimes I, I see think I can I never find it. them though because yeah. I, I <laughs> it's hard to tell I've been looking because you know I, I make a couple of reels but no one's going to watch a reel mm. A 54-year-old man. For real. Yeah. Unless you had a really good filter that made you look like a 16 or 18-year-old gymnast. I don't want to look like gymnast. a 16-year-old gymnast. No, that's... Uh, yeah, we could go somewhere there. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, is it time to begin? This has been so long. Yeah. I feel like we say that every show now. It's been so long. Yeah, we were hoping that... Uh, we were just talking about this. We said, why did we think we'd have more time when school started? When the kids are <laughs> back in school, we'll have more time Everything to do the show. Everything will even itself out. And, um, oh, yeah. I gotta, okay, go ahead. Wishful thinking. Just begin. And we're back. Welcome to Recovery in the Middle Ages, the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life, love, and recovery. I'm Nat X. And I'm Michael. And boy, do we have a show for you. Today on RMA, it's the triumphant return of the one, the only, the great... G Money Smooth, a.k.a. Grant Boykin, the editor-at-large of the RMA Newsroom. And we discuss the latest attempt by the government to fund treating the opioid epidemic. All this and more today on a very special edition of RMA. Welcome back to the basement. Welcome back. You notice I cleaned the laundry off the couch for you. I was about to say, it. you know, then I put my laundry on the couch. <laughs> so, But it, it's very nice. The lizards are resting comfortably and their worms slightly to the right <laughs> positions just so I can stare at the mega worms. We'll have to turn the camera around. Yeah. You guys have to see these worms. T- <laughs> mega worm? Mega. Isn't that what you called them? 
Yeah. The big ones. That are I'm sorry, called, I'm like, reaching for worms. a mega worm joke. Oh, like no. you're always looking at a <laughs> mega worm when you're looking <laughs> over always, here. <laughs> keep uh, your hands off my mega worm. <laughs> hey, Nat, yes. uh, do you know who we have to thank today? Who? Uh, our Patreon members. I agree. It's our Patreon members that make it possible for us to do this show. RMA is a listener-supported podcast, and if you enjoy listening to the podcast and would like to help us support it, here's what you can do. What can they do, Nat? Here's what you can do. You can join our Patreon page oh, at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages. <laughs> members. <laughs> Once you join at any level, Nat will send you the secret codes to unlock the Discord server. Yes. You can join in the community of like-minded people who discuss their lives and their recovery in a private forum. Members uh, also help to participate in the making of the show. That's right. Don't they? Absolutely. We rely on you for content. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's great, we're, though. We're, I love it. It's great. It's like an Ouroboros, right? Like Eating we, the tail. Yeah, because we get... They pay us a couple bucks a month, and then we plumb them for content. Yeah. We feed back to them that they pay us a couple bucks it's a month It's for. just it's amazing. fun. It's very masturbatory. I love it. Well, I don't, you know, maybe that's what you do on there. Is there, <laughs> is there a separate comment a stream for that? We're all jacking uh, each other off. It's great. Yeah. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, guys, and it's a real chance for us to get to know you and for you to get to know the other monsters and just to support and... Um, it's just really great to see uh, everybody leaning on each other. And, you know, there's a Wordle thread. Yeah. <laughs> For all the Wordle weirdos out there, there is a Wordle thread. And, uh, and it's just a great time. And um, I forgot to take, we take a picture at the beginning of our sessions to post there. Members get previews of new, sorry, I'm smiling. And there you go. And that I don't picture, like that picture. That's not a good one. All right, ready? <sighs> Okay. okay. <laughs> Members get previews of new show material. They get videos of interviews, I'm behind the scenes it. outtakes. Uh, and after a few months of membership, you also get a nice little gift as a thank you for supporting the podcast. Thank you. Um, thank you. So, so, buttons. So, yeah. Anyway, so, so shit's been happening, man. So, yeah. we had to take a week off last week. Last week was our week that we were supposed to do the show. Yeah. But all kinds of shit went down last week, right? I mean,. <laughs> Yeah, but I forgot. I have something really important to say. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Welcome to all the monsters listening stateside, around the world, down the street, across the table, and right next door. Welcome all. Settle in, buckle up, and get ready for excitement, comedy, tragedy, intrigue, mystery, and so much more. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and wherever podcasts are found. Um, I was thinking that we were going to get our recovery meetings back up and running. I think uh, we were we had them on Sundays, but you know, let's keep the juices flowing. Um, uh -huh. I think we're going to get to a point. Are, are there? Are we still trying to move it to Wednesday? Or God, Wednesday would be. I can do a Tuesday or a Wednesday, I guess, in the evening. So we do have uh, support meetings. Um, it's been a little light. Just not currently. Not currently. But that's something You're that on your own, people. Uh, <laughs> Find your own support. Uh, if you want to send in your story, uh, send it to Mike R at MiddleAgesRecovery.com for details. Will great reviews be read on the air? Great reviews will be read on the air. Um, and if you leave them on the Apple Podcast app, uh, that would be fantastic because that's where they are. I just remembered something. You did? 
Yeah, it's good. I'll save it for life update. Okay. Yeah, I got a life update thing that I can't forget to do either. Uh, Writing the show as we go, folks. You can tell us your story. Log on to middleagesrecovery.com, which is our website, or you can call the RMA hotline at 516-888-6297. What's that number again? 516-888-6297. No one is standing by. You can leave your message in obscurity. Uh, We won't use your name. We'll just abbreviate you. And somehow. if you leave um, us a message that we use in the show, there's a free gift. There is? Yeah. What are you going to send? We got all these awesome shirts nobody's buying. Yeah. But it helps really nice. if you're an extra, extra, extra large person. The triple X, those. those are great. Yeah. See, very behind us, actually, I'm not recording this, so they can't see anything. Well, Patreon members do get access to the video shows. and yeah, 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 uh, Or yeah. if you just ask nicely, I'll send you a link. On the slide. No, that's not true. You have to join Patreon, um, or not. I don't. I don't really care. But we do have some reviews. Yeah, we do. So, P.S. says, "Love this podcast." This was a. They were both five star reviews. Yes, right. I love this podcast. The guys are very humorous and informative. I love to hear their stories, and they're so down to earth. Also, I love the guests they have on the show. They don't think they have many women listeners. Really. Did we not think that? We may have said that early on. Oh. But we found out later, just for you, that there's actually probably more women listening than men. Not that it matters, because we're all one, aren't we? Yes, in a metaphysical sense. Uh, They don't think they have many women listeners. This may be true. (laughs) (laughs) But as a woman listener, I really enjoy the show. Thank you. Keep up the great work, and I miss you when you take breaks from the podcast. Well, I miss you too. I miss you too, Nat. When we take breaks, because I don't even see you anymore. I know. What are you eating over there? It's not a nicotine mint. So you're just going to chew mints into the uh, into the microphone. I have it I neatly get... tucked under my tongue. Okay. It'll, listen, if yeah. that is what gets you off of the the, the vape the vape stick, whatever you call that. See that guy's take my, your mints. My nico derm nicorette. There you go. So uh, we got another one. Another one. Another one. Yes. Um, the next one is from Hmm. Yeah. Far out. Wow. Is that the name? Yeah. Okay. Um, And they say, it's got that dopey feel. I dig it. This podcast reminds me of the dopey podcast in the sense that it's not a cookie cutter recovery podcast where it's just a modified 12-step speaker meeting where it's a guest telling their story of how they got started. Yeah, fuck that. Yeah, that was do a, that. Yeah. We, uh, Too decided, many of those out yeah, there. We decided early on we didn't want that. No. Um, then gloss over how it was fun, what happened, and then what it's like now. Thank God that is that this isn't that. Mm. It's like hanging out with two friends talking about addiction and recovery. Yeah. Not 12-step exclusive. And equally important, not not. Oh, yeah. Not not 12-step. I like that. Right. Many non-12-step podcasts, the majority of the time, saying how non-12-step they are and just lose everything they may have had going. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good observation. RMA is another breath of fresh air in the, repo- in the recovery podcast community. Come get to know the guys with me. Come get to know the guys. Yeah. You won't be disappointed. <laughs> it's the perfect mix of war stories and recovery. Subscribe. Thank you so much. You're like a great hype man or hype woman. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Yeah, that was a big thing for us when we were doing this podcast. We were like, we definitely didn't want to do the experience, strength, and hope thing. Um, no, fuck we, that. <laughs> which is... The, I, don't want, I, have no, I have no experience, zero strength, and very little hope. <laughs> That, that may be a problem with your recovery. But, uh, I mean, and that's the formula typically. If you guys know, um, if you've been in 12-step and you've been asked to share, they usually say, you, you can say whatever you want, but you share your experience, what happened, mm-hmm. uh, your strength, how you got through it, and your hope, how you, you, know, how you are now. And, uh, yeah, so we don't do that. So, 
Wait, okay. is that too not not twelve step? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we so thank you so much for that uh, we also have a discord comment and response yeah uh, so this yep. was interesting the patreon um, discord the patreon discord somebody logged on there about a week ago and posted a little uh i don't know a question a, a call out a request for some support and it got me th- and, it, and it was such a like an um you know, an elemental thing that everybody who is in the early stages of recovery has to deal with it. It got me to be thinking that, you know, you know, we've, we've been doing this for how long now? A couple of years? You know? uh, I think it's two years. You know, we both have a little time put together and we sort of, you know, sometimes you forget what it's like yeah. in the early days, you know, with, where you have that thing, that, that monster that lives inside you that's just constantly telling you yeah. to go out there and get fucked up. Um, you know, like, and simple stuff like, like, um, you know, Go, meat go meat and potatoes, <laughs> bread and butter issues like how to navigate parties right. and events where sobriety seems more like you're depriving yourself rather than, you know, it's a good thing and it's hard to trust yourself in social situations. So uh, our friend A from the Discord community says, hey, all um, back from a non-sober hiatus. Thanks, uh, Melissa, for encouraging me to get back on here. I am sober today, but coming to you all for accountability for tomorrow. Heading to a big fundraiser tomorrow night. The first hour is cocktail hour. Mm. The booze will be flowing, and they're even driving everyone because they don't want people drinking and driving. Uh, I so badly want to stay sober and also enjoy it. Mm. And as somebody, first point, as somebody pointed out uh, in a response to this, uh, anytime that they're hiring a bus to transport you somewhere, Mm. someone is going to throw up on it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> right? Because you see the bus, you realize you don't have to drive. You're you don't like, have to worry about it. Yeah. It's like the fucking take the chains off, going balls to the wall, right? Um, it's it is tough. That first that first work thing is yeah. terrifying. Uh, especially if like the group of people that you work with on a day to day basis uh, know you as a drinker, yeah, and know themselves as drinkers, and you know they expect it out of you if they right. don't. You know, like the pandemic, you're coming back, and uh, and Mike had to deal with this, and it's oh yeah, it's like you got to do a rebrand. You do. <laughs> it's a rebrand. You have to rebrand, and sometimes that means um, going late, leaving early, driving yourself rather than taking the the, the booze bus. Um, but there's a there's a lot of little things you can do, right? Like, you know, first thing you can do is when you get there, uh, put something in your hand that's not alcoholic. Yeah. I actually just had this experience, um, and it was exactly, mm-hmm. you know, my, um, you know, what I always tell people, I had, I actually had to go to a show. I'll talk about it in the life update, but it was amazing that I, I was in this bar watching a band, and I had that conversation with my wife that I hadn't had with her in a very long time because I haven't needed to. Yeah. But for some reason on this night, I was just, we were talking about it before we went out because she was like, are you going to be okay? I mean, it's a bar. And I'm like, it made me start to think about it. Right. I'm like, she goes, yeah, we used to make a plan and everything. Should we do that? Are you going to be okay? I said, yeah, she hadn't said anything like that to me in a long time, but Mm. I was glad she did because I feel like I've been getting too much, like I'm just trying to put it in the background. Right. That could be a dangerous thing, and it's gotten many people before. So I think it's good for us to continue to, you know, still act like you're making a plan and you're being very conscientious about how you feel in those situations. I I absolutely agree. Um, And and I was at a work thing recently uh, out in in Portland, and uh, I don't know, I'll I'll just slip it in here instead of during the life thing. Um, So I was putting this reception together. Is that Grant? 
Hold on. Wait, sorry. sorry, guys. <laughs> is Grant in the green room? There he is. He's in the green room. I am. But I think he's, <laughs> I think he's out of the green room. Um, well, we didn't like introduce him and have like fireworks and confetti. No, and stuff. not yet. Well, keep, you know keep what? Keep going, guys. All right, let's just well, pretend listen. like we didn't see him. Okay, yeah, we'll get back to him <laughs> right, in a minute. We'll be uh, so it was funny, like you know. Uh, so there's this this industry group that I deal with uh, once a year out in Portland, and um, they have their annual conference. But so my company puts together the reception, so it kind of falls on me to pick the food and the drinks and everything. So you know, I'm in this weird position where I'm I'm having having to sort of select bottles of wine, uh, and since it's uh, Oregon, you know, it's like oh, it's yeah. all Pinot Noirs and, and and I'm going through this list with the uh, with the party planner that we have at our company and I, and and I'm like, can you just pick the wine? I'm like, I really would rather not. You know, yeah, didn't you that. start thinking about what you used to like? Yeah. Like, oh, do you have the Chateau Neuf du Pape? I mean, I could definitely pick wine. Like, I can, you know, I don't have to drink it to pick it, but right. uh, but I just prefer not to. But one thing I reiterated a couple times is like, I want to make sure there's there's some alcohol free beers there because mm. sometimes you like that. I'm like, like you know, maybe maybe people will take that option. Maybe they will have the alcohol free beer. So I mentioned it a couple of times, and up to the point where she was finally like. Mark, we're going to have alcohol. F- Mark, Mike, we're going to have alcohol-free beers there. <laughs> I was like, okay, good. Um, so I show up to the reception and I walk in, and there's <laughs> a huge tub full of um, uh, athletic brewing. Oh, the IPAs NA? and uh, all different kinds. And I'm like, I'm looking at this tub, and I'm looking around the room, and I'm like, there's there's got to be at most like 30 people here, <laughs> and probably twice as many non-alcoholic beers. <laughs> so they so, got a ton of it. So I pulled one out, and I had one. Yeah. That's all I had. And there was like two dozen so, or something. I don't know what happened to those at the end of the night, but my, my only guess is that the people um, who are stocking the bar assume that people drink non-alcoholic beers the same way they drink regular right. beers. Right? But you, you didn't, when you were drinking, drinking, and you saw, I, like I used to, I'll speak for myself, I used to almost be offended by the sight of a non-alcoholic beer. Like, yes. get out of my face. Right. Like, what, what is are you doing here? Right. Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, and, and I would have found non-alcoholic beers to be extremely helpful to me in the early stages when I started going to these conferences, you know, and I had to sort of pretend yeah. that my ginger ale was uh, scotch and, you know, all that kind of bullshit that I don't yeah. do anymore, but that I did then. Yeah, um, when you're still like a little bit embarrassed. Right. You know, because you're afraid. I'm just moving my chair around. Wait. In constant motion. I know. I this is the camera. I don't think I'm over in, here. So we got to move one. over. You got to move over. Grant wants to look into my eyes when we well, speak to but him. But you can't look at him over there. You got to look oh, at him in there. there. Yeah, that's the webcam. Don't ask me why I did that. The resolution's slightly better. Okay, fine. Okay. Right. So parties. So um, yes. So so in this case, there was a non-alcoholic option that I made available for myself but you don't often have (laughs) that opportunity right i mean you're not and 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 the early receptions that i went to for work there was never non-alcoholic beer the most i would i would get would be like a soda out of the soda gun and it tasted like shit whatever it's definitely more popular now i mean there's more of a resurgence i've seen way more like non-alcoholic beer ads and i see it more often but when you get there the first thing you should do is put a drink in your hand that doesn't have booze in it and then keep refilling that thing. Go to the bar, refill it a hundred times. You oh know? yeah, I drank six Shirley Temples at the Jimmy Eat World uh, show I went to last nice, week. Nice. Really good. Six just, Shirley Temples. Yeah. I'm, Did you I, sleep that night? No, but I have All diabetes. Yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say. Um, it was good. So anyway, so the you know, uh, advice was given to our our friend on Discord. 
And, you know, I said, you know, don't worry, you'll get it. And she said, thanks. I, I sometimes wonder if I'll ever get this thing to stick. I haven't had 30 days sober in the last 20 years. Uh, and I really identify with that. My, mm. my record is 29 days, but that was a decade ago. I recently started medication, though, so hopefully I'll be able to make it stick. Huh. What kind of medication? Doesn't say, but I'm sure we could ask. Um, so, I, you know, I shared my experience. Strength, strength and hope. hope that that was me for years on end, uh, and that eventually it does stick if you stick with it yeah right? it, it does stick and yeah. i i was no, remember we thinking we, we stick but i remember thinking when i was in that mindset will i ever get it you know will i ever cross that line where i'm finally free and i really didn't think it would ever happen but i could i could say that i definitely don't feel that same way today no you know uh and and it can happen i think like you said we say all the time it's different for everybody but uh, the most important thing is just don't give up. Right. You know, you, keep coming back. You you have a drink. Keep <laughs> coming back. You have a drink. Ugh. You relapse. Whatever. Just stand up. It's not about how you fall down. It's how you get up. Right. And how many times you get up? So because you can keep getting up. And you get more experience. Right. You do more research. Do and more research. You're wiser. But you know what? At some point, you could you you gather all the facts that you can. Right. And then you're just repeating yourself. Right. So uh, you know, at some point, you have to make the commitment. You know. Yeah, it'll, it. it'll, it should but you happen. can do it. Keep doing the work and, and sticking with your sober buddies. I found, though, at the end, and my takeaway from this, this whole experience was, and, and it's only recently that I've really started feeling this, is that um, at some point when I started going to that, if, that, these events, it started reinforcing my sobriety rather than challenging it. Because it was like working muscles. Yeah. That's well, how I used to think But I would it. go there and I, I, would, I would be validated in my decision. Because right. I was looking at everybody else. I was mm -hmm. knowing what they were going to feel like the next morning sitting there trying to like yeah. string a sentence yeah. together in, in the uh, tell us your, what your favorite movie is bullshit, you know. And, uh, and, I, was, and I went home and I, I slept and I felt great. And I was like, you know, I, I, I can't believe I did this for so many years. Yeah. You know? And that's a good thing to do. And I remember when I was first trying to get sober, um, I think it was a sponsor or someone else. And they said, just one time, this is before I was going to be so like, this is way long ago. And he told me, he goes, you go to the bar tonight. Cause I was headed to the bar for to drink. He said, just don't drink till mm. like 11 o'clock, mm. 12 o'clock. And just watch what happens. Watch the way people change and it'll change the way. Now, of course it took me a long time to make it How'd that you make long? it to 11 o'clock <laughs> i could never do that i didn't that weekend that's for sure but it's true though and now you see it every time you go out and it's just you're disgusted you know because part of it is when i see that i'm just seeing myself yeah so really i'm, I'm not so much disgusted with the person but really myself because that's the way i was yeah i, I don't know if i'm disgusted i just mm. i i find myself feeling really bad for people that are still like, yeah you know on that roller coaster yeah know? But you don't want to be too condescending. I mean, no, of course not. People can me? enjoy themselves, and uh, it's really up to them. So, so uh, keep, keep I, at it. I have an idea. Why don't we bring Grant in for the life update part, and we can find out what his life has been up yeah. to. Yeah. But uh, well, could, before we do that, yeah. I have an issue with the camera. And it's, you want to come right back after these words? Yeah, sure. And we'll be right back after these words. Okay, so uh, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, 
That's weird. I never say that. And yeah. we're back. And we're well, back. Welcome back to the podcast. Uh, t- tonight, we're joined by uh, Grant Boykin. Boykin. Uh, you all know Grant, right? You know G-Money him as Smooth. G-Money Smooth, the he editor is. at large of the RMA Newsroom. OG uh, Monkster. Yeah. Uh, one of the first. I apologize for the technical snafus, but... I'm a lawyer, and, and now you he's identify. a CEO, and this is fucking equipment. I don't know how it works. Uh, how you doing? What about- I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And uh, is the intro going to be on this? We're joined by <laughs> the great Grant Boykin, um, finally back to do his, he's got uh, silverliningsplaybook.com. And uh, he, he's the guy that does all the news. We call him the editor-at-large of the RMA Newsroom. Yes, that's G- a good title. Money Smooth, uh, who's also pretty active on the, um, on the Discord. And uh, welcome back, Grant. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm not, not here to talk about my experience, strength, and hope. <laughs> I was listening a little bit on the green room earlier. So. Yeah, just Great don't- to be back. I think I was here... About a year ago when I shared my, I'd been a couple times since then, but to share my story and it feels a lot different now. Yeah. Yeah. So what have you been up to? All kinds of things I know. Yeah. I don't know where you want to start. Are we just going to do it open-ended like that? Well, like, what have you been up to and just sit and wait? Like, okay. so we're going to go get a, we're going to go get a Pepsi. Uh, well, this is, <laughs> well, so this is the portion of the show where traditionally Nat and I will discuss what's been going on in our lives. And we figured we'd uh, invite you in to do the same. Um, so this is, and then we can get into the stuff that you've been doing with respect to, um, you know, uh, sober link and shatterproof and sober linings playbook and all that kind of stuff. Does that sound like a good plan? That sounds great. I hope so. Cause it's the only plan we have. <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so what have you been up to now? Um, well, all kinds of things. It's been a few weeks, as many of you know, and there's been a lot of action and excitement in the, <laughs> in Oyster Bay here. Yeah. Yep. Just giving out the town. We do that all the time, though. It's nobody comes and looks for us. Yeah. No. Everybody knows <laughs> yeah, where we live. That's right. Um, I was. I had an opportunity to take my youngest son Max to what used to be the Cub Dad Weekend, mm. um, which is there's a Cub Scout camp out east on Long Island, uh, Camp Wowie Pex. <laughs> it's not called that anymore. I don't know why. No, um, uh, Shift. We call it Shift yeah, Scout Schiff. Reservation. But it was supposed to be uh, an overnight, and I was really excited to take Max on this trip. And Noah got COVID, Ugh. and my wife was on a spa weekend. So once a year, she goes out with her friends and they get spa treatments and they go, she was away for a few days. So we had to do just the day. So we did 10 hours at Schiff and drove back, but it was a lot of fun. Um, Besides the dead deer at the side of the path, everything was perfect. Wow. Um, You remember the last time you and I were at Schiff? I do. Was that with the drunk dads and stuff? Yeah, it was with the drunk dads (laughs) and stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it was a lot of fun though. And it's, it really... it's really meaningful to just be doing that with him. I did it with Noah. My father took me, and uh, it's just nice to see it. He's really into it, and um, yeah, it was a good time. We even <laughs> we were fishing. We were out there for, I don't know, 30 minutes, and Max was getting all frustrated, and I said, that's why they call it fishing, not catching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but you're still doing the Cub Scouts, too. And no, got, I'm not. You're uh, not? Ben has withdrawn from scouting, mm. and... Um, he went to summer camp this summer, 
and did not have like the greatest time in the world. I had a much better time than he did. Yeah, I, I remember you guys went away for uh, a bit. Yeah, I get to hang out with a bunch of dads and hike around the lake and stuff That's and great. shoot guns and stuff. <laughs> it was great. Um, but he's decided to move on to other things. So it's kind of weird because like the scouting had become my social yeah. thing in town. Like I don't do anything. Yeah, you, you were. Know, I don't really, go out with you know. That's I how I met you, I yeah. think, isn't it? So I'm yeah. I'm I'm in the middle of a bit of an adjustment period right now, where I'm kind of wondering. Well, you, you could know. still volunteer as a non-parent adult. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, that would be creepy. No, that's that's just. I, you sure? I don't like the optics of that. <laughs> <laughs> and Is I just one of your kids. No, no, I'm just here for the scouting. Yeah, yeah. I'm here for the hot dogs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, You're sick, and I hope you never get you. better. So, um, so Ben was having. I just got to squeeze this one in. Ben was um, so he was having a little trouble with some bullies at school. Speaking yeah. of hot dogs, <laughs> the okay. So uh, I have had a discussion with Ben, as with all my kids, that said, you know. Um, it's okay to be gay. Gay is not a bad word. Yeah. You know, et cetera, and so on. Uh, but some kids have been like calling him gay. What? At school. Yes. It's, so uh, I was like, Ben, um, I'm like, there's nothing wrong with being gay. Uh, he's like, but I'm not gay. And I'm like, okay. Um, so you need to, you need to think of a, something to say to come back at them with. Right. And he's like, he's like, I got it. He goes, uh, I'm going to say, I'm as straight as the pole your mom was dancing on last night. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's good, but just be prepared to fight after that. Is it the older kids at the, uh, the high school? Because Noah's now, Noah and Ben, our kids, seventh graders are now in the high school building. Yes. With 12th graders who drive Camaros, smoke cigarettes, and right. have beards. Yeah, it's weird. And so it's a little nerve-wracking. And I was worried about what kind of bullying, but is it the older kids getting no, them? No, it's something, he's had some trouble with some kids in his grade. Yeah, I, could, I probably know exactly who they are, yeah. too, because Noah, Noah gets it for being short and being different, you know, and... Uh, so he, you know, he was reporting, and I always tell him, like, "What do you tell a kid?" I said, "You got to tell me." I said, "You don't have to hit them, right. but you should say something immediately." You don't have to hit them, but no, you. Can, I'm not going <laughs> to blame you if you do. Yeah. But yeah, it's you think in this day and age that the um, well, the school isn't really. They're not on top of nah, things. They're not. They're not. And any. And there's. Yeah. I could tell you a story, but yeah. off the air. Okay. You know, maybe it's a difference with California, but my kids' experience in high school, everybody was sort of. Gender and sexuality fluid. Everybody's and gay. It was in fine. California. Everybody was, you know, it wasn't like the eighties. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's California, right? I mean, I mean, yeah. here in our specific town, it, it 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 leans a little more conservative than some of the other towns around here. So there is a lot of that. There was a Trump parade. Yeah. Yes, of yes. of pickup trucks. I was I couldn't believe it. I said, "We're in the North Shore of Long Island." Right. You know what? <laughs> so it's interesting. Right. It's interesting. Right. But, um, yeah. So I don't know. That's uh, I, I think he's dealing with it. I think the fact that he has lunch with Noah and his friend Ben every day yeah. like during the same lunch period is a big yeah, help, that's good. help for him. But you know, it's an adjustment because it's a new school. Yeah. They're going from teacher to teacher to teacher. Yeah. You know, it's just like a whole thing. You know, I just I and I look at him and I, I, I was very insecure and I was very I got picked on a lot when I was his age. And so I feel I feel for the yeah. kid, you know. But it sucks. Yeah. I was the kid that vanished. You know, like I just wasn't I felt like I was just not there. I didn't get picked on and I wasn't like nobody said my name. I just kinda like <laughs> mm. And I and once in a while when I would get, 
you know, singled out, it freaked me out. I'm like, they can see me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> that magic um, ring is not working. No, it's not. And um, yeah, but uh, I think overall for Noah, because he's extremely, um, he has ADHD, not to the point where it's debilitating, but he needs to move, kind of like me. I'm always moving around, um, doing six things at the same time. And uh, I thought the high school would be better just because sitting in one place for um, the mm-hmm. whole day is a nightmare for him. Yeah, I, I actually think that Ben prefers this to last. Yeah. He had a lot more trouble last year to the point where I had to actually yell at the principal and threaten, make vague legal threats. Yeah, I, I did the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is that at the, at the the last school? Yes. Yeah, I used yeah. the word assault a couple of yeah, times. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was fun. So he's he's adjusting, but it but it's a big adjustment, right? It's uh you know he they're twelve and. 11 and uh you know they were going to school with 17 year olds it's yeah. just it's crazy and but, he wants to watch breaking bad oh yeah i don't know why but yeah. um <laughs> so what's this college weekend booze parties with college kids and parents so i went up to uh i went up to visit my older son oh yeah at how's he the doing university of scranton he's okay he's not like out partying but he's also not like making a lot of friends. Yeah. Like, he's got a hard, he's having a hard time. And apparently it's not just him. Like there's a lot of uh, kids of his generation that have spent so much time like yeah. in the room and communicating over, you know, um, yeah. video game consoles that it's hard for them to sort of break out and make friends. And if you add the last two years of COVID on top of that, right. you know, it's like a big, it's, it's hard. So I don't know. I'm hoping he finds his, his center, but we went there and we were driving around with him and he was saying stuff like, oh yeah, this is where all the parties are. Like there's usually a whole bunch of red solo cups on the yeah. front lawn every Saturday morning, but because it's parents weekend, they cleaned it up. But one thing I noticed as it got later in the day is uh, a lot of parents were going to these off-campus houses, like to parties, like there was there's kegs on the, the parents. Yeah. The kegs on the porch and everything. And it's parents weekend and the parents are just coming and grabbing cups and filling up and like just joining in the thing. Wow. And you know, I wondered myself, like if I had, if I was the same person that I was, you know, before I quit drinking, like would I have been like, I bet where's you. your keg son? You know, how come we're not, how come I, we're not filling up the cups? And I wonder and, about know. that. I yeah. would, I think I would because my father, he wasn't like, let's get drunk, but he was. He really would take the beer mm. and he'd smell it and a ritual. Yeah, and, yeah. and he loved it. He would drink it. He goes, huh? It's like mother's milk. And me and my brother would always gag, you know, yeah, yeah. mother's milk. But you know, I was thinking someday I'll have that drink with my son, you know, and I'll right. creep him out by saying it's like mother's <laughs> milk and it'll be great. And maybe I would have been that guy that went to the college party, you know? Well, describing like alcohol as mother's milk is like really weird. Yeah. Right. My father is strange. But um, <laughs> but they make a stout called uh, mother's milk or something. Yeah. <laughs> going to buy that for him. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to crack up. That was uh, <laughs> one of the last things I had to drink. And so what's yep. going on in the, the West Coast there, Grant? How's, How's your life coast, going? Sir? Well, I can speak for myself. Um, my wife is out of town. She went to a work thing in San Francisco. So, and I'm rarely home alone, but I'm at two years, so I'm feeling pretty good. But I've been occupying my time, busy with work. And wrote to my son yesterday. He goes to college about 30 miles away. Mm. And went out to meet with him and walk around a little bit at the Arboretum at his campus at UC Davis. Oh, that's cool. He's in this transition time. Uh, he's in the last year of school, not sure what he wants to do afterwards, you know, thinks it all matters. Decisions he makes now matter you know, so much later on. And he's had a tough college career 
as many people have because it was marked by the pandemic starting his mm. freshman year. Yeah. And so it, it was just a really nice time to go. He never, you know, teenagers, although he's 21, it, it's hard to get them to do stuff with you. But I called, must have just hit the right moment. We went for a walk, talked, had coffee afterwards. That was great. And I'm actually going to see my daughter this weekend. She's out in uh, Massachusetts, where she goes to college. And I've got a work event, a charity walk on, in Boston. So she's going to join me for that. So it's like a, a twofer. That's oh, and my, my oldest, by the way, is Max. I keep meaning to tell you. Oh, that. really? That's awesome. Yeah, See yeah, that? Great, great minds. Name. Yeah. Yeah. So your is your son uh, is his peer group? Are they like drinkers? Like, is he into that party scene at school that you know of? Yeah. You know, the party scene disappeared. They all went home and that's right. And were remote. So he was in his apartment his second year. And yeah, I mean, he drinks. He's been pretty open, and um, you know he. He shared when they smoked weed during high school. And, you know, of course, he doesn't share everything. But I think he's pretty open with me because I'm open about my stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's been in engineering and had sort of a side thing, a engineering group project for a couple of years that kept him really busy. Yeah. So, you know, I, he's missed out, you know, for, for good and bad on a lot of the social aspects of college, including yeah. the heavy drinking, I think. Yeah, yeah and so. kids are were robbed. I think a lot of like even my little Max, you know, he went through what first, first and second grade, you know, wearing a mask and being from home, and who know, and the college kids. I didn't even think of that because I just have the little kids. But yeah, they really miss like that college experience. But it may be a good thing, like you know, they didn't get into the binge drinking uh, and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's just a shame. It's it's. Uh because I, I have really competing feelings inside me about my son, like my older son, because he spent a lot of the first two years before the pandemic in, in high school, smoking a lot of weed, drinking a lot. And then that all ended and then it never came back. It's like he, hmm. it's like he aged out of it almost. And now he just sort of looks at it with like a, a disdain almost which interesting is so weird you yeah. know considering how mm-hmm. into it he was in the be- in the beginning mm. or, and maybe this is just a performance for my <laughs> for me i don't know <laughs> but it, but he's but on the other side like he's missing a lot of the social component i mean he's not an engineering major right he's a history major so he's got a lot of free time <laughs> like yeah. he doesn't have any big <laughs> big projects that he needs to do sociology right? here so yeah <laughs> same same here right English i mean major. it was easy to kind of you know, you could always throw throw together some some bullshit in the yeah. sociology paper, but um, yeah, and I, I just wonder, like, you know, if if this whole whole COVID thing has really socially stunted like a whole generation of kids, you know? I, yeah, I, yeah. But I, I got to tell you, there's a solution. I've got um, I'm on a parent Facebook group for Clark or for my daughter's school. I don't know if she wants me to tell the name, but. It's funny when you read on there, my Jimmy is a transfer student. He's having a hard time meeting people. Could somebody give suggestions? It's, mm-hmm. Maybe that's common. Maybe it's nothing to do with the pandemic. And it's just a shift in parent involvement in kids. But yeah. once a week, I send a funny parent post to my kids so we can kind of chuckle at that. But mm-hmm. there probably is something like that. So, Mike, if you're concerned about your kid connecting at college, maybe there's a way parent to parent you can help that. Yeah, there is there is a parent Facebook group, and and um, other parents have posted similar things, yeah. uh, girls and boys. So it's uh, yeah. it's 
at first we were thinking it was just him, which was alarming me. But now it's it's more of a, you know. So do I want him out like at parties every night? No, you know. Like, am yeah. I happier that he's in his room, like doing his schoolwork and handing in his assignments? Yes. Um, but I also like don't want him to be a hermit, you know. And yeah. you know, and I'm trying to like just uh, I'm trying to show him by the by me by what I do, you know, like I still go out, not a lot, but you know, you can, you can go out and not party, you know, there's other things that you can do other than just attach yourself to a keg or go to the bar and drink until you fall down. Right. And that's so important. Like what Grant was just saying about being open with your, with your kids about it, you know, to a point that you're comfortable, but I'm the same way with Noah. I mean, he's fully aware that I deliberately don't drink, you know, for uh, because I was drinking too much. That's as much as he knows. But he sees me going out, and he's sort of like, uh, you know, I'll be my wingman when we're at a, a party or something. There's a lot of drinking, and I'll grab my Coca Cola, and I'll say, "You see that? You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that guy's drunk. You know, what a yeah. schmuck. You know." And I have fun, and he gets to see how Dad, like goes out and has a blast and doesn't get blasted. And right. I think that's important for kids to see. And I think the fact that you're honest uh, with the kids, uh, I think it goes a long way. And it was important to get over the fear. And we were just talking, Grant, about when we first tried to stop drinking and how we were almost afraid to admit, like by having a glass or it looks like scotch. And, you know, it was this fear I had of not wanting to like – like, I'd have to tell my whole story, you know, and you don't. And then the more comfortable you get, like you said, you just don't care. I'll drink water all day and say, no, I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, it's good for them to see that and see that you can have fun and be sociable. I mean, who, who- yeah, and my kids are older, so I probably shared more and they've, they've seen some stuff Yeah, um, because all of my, my dark time happened when they were in college and late in high school. And, you know, one thing that I've never wished that on anybody, but I think the one thing it shows them is that you can go through the hard shit and come through it and learn about yourself and move on. So, yeah, that's what I'm telling myself. Yeah. Uh, Who was it that said uh, you would you would worry much less about what other people think of you? If you knew how little they think of me, <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. A, hey, we should do a, a new podcast called Three Dope Dads." I just got that idea. I'm yeah. going to write it down. Right by the by Three the URL. Dope. That's good. In all of your spare time. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> I need another day in the week. So I want to move on. I want to get into what Grant's been doing lately. But Nat, yes, I need you to talk a little bit about, and I think you need to talk a little bit about what on earth is going on with your your work. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah. So I've been very, very busy. And um, I don't know how much I can, I should say. It basically, everybody knows I got this, this job where I was the director of an, uh, an IME company where I was basically hired to turn the company around or, to, or clean up a lot of the, the, the Mishigas. I just say a lot of Yiddish now because I work with all these Jewish doctors. That's well, Rush Hashanah this week. So. <laughs> yes, tova. Yes. And uh, Back at you, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> and so it has just been a very harrowing experience. And every single day there, towards the beginning, it was chaotic. It's still a little chaotic, but long and short of it is we finally got into a place where we just kind of agreed, myself and the owner, that I can't do this anymore. I was in such a dark place this one day. 
I was like, I could, because I knew that the way it was, it just could not continue that way. And I was pretty much saying to the owner, I said, listen, Mike, I can't do this. I said, this isn't going to work. I think you have to close your doors. You know, I really, I was like, you got to close this company. We're not making payroll this week. You're not going to cut another check from whatever to keep it afloat. You know, we got to close. And so he was like, wait, maybe we don't have to close. And the long and short of it is, uh, I opened my own company that uh, is going to basically kind of take over after this company folds. Mm. And so the last few weeks, uh, and I'm the owner of that company, so it's like trying to transition, you know, convince the doctors that, yeah, you're going to stick with me. Yeah, yeah. All of the different locations, I have to close a couple of offices, you know, because the rent is crazy. And just all this stuff. At the same time, I'm still trying to run the business, you know, the books, the mm-hmm. everything, the, everything. And also to grow the business and to move the business. <laughs> it's just like, it's like every day, it just doesn't stop. And it's exciting though. And I think I might be, I mean, I'm exhausted and, um, you know, deflated a lot of, you know, some of the times, but I get such an exhilaration out of it when something goes right. Like today, you know, I talked to two new doctors who want to work with us and I'm like, okay, it's work. And you know, something else good happens and it's almost like an addictive quality. You're swimming in a sea of dopamine. I think is it, it is. is. I mean, it's a roller coaster, but I feel like we're we're pushing this new company and, and the customers, uh, the vendors are supporting us like a lot. Awesome. Luckily, I've made some very good connections with like our, our employees and all of that. And like, it's just so much, especially because wow. I'm also helping with him closing down the first company, like going to meet with the business lawyers and I'm sort of advising him on you know, the best ways to close this or that out and how to uh, handle it. It's just like, it's a lot. And then I get home by six. And then it's, as you guys know, when you get home and you've got small children and <laughs> it's another job. And yeah. then I have to flip the switch and I have to be daddy, you know, mm-hmm. and I have to do the dishes and the laundry and whatever else. And uh, Could you have managed this if you were high still? No way in hell. Right. I mean, like, and I was thinking about that because I thought to myself, Wow, if I didn't drink or use through what I've just been through, I'm doing okay, but I'm I'm not like I'm not bulletproof, but yeah. That was a serious test, you know, and part of that was being open with everybody I worked with, mm-hmm. you know, and that, you know, you don't want me to drink. When someone offered me a drink, I think it was I think it was like, oh, "We should have a drink." And I said, "You don't want me to drink, you know." He's like, "Oh yeah, I forgot." I'm like, "Yeah, you don't want that." <laughs> and um it's just been it's been crazy. It's been extremely, and it's consuming my whole like consciousness. You yeah. Know? And uh, but can I, can I just yeah, say, that, yeah, please. That's a huge move. I had not heard of it. So people on the Discord give, give Nat a little license for not being that active right now. <laughs> I'm so um, sorry, but that's bold. Congratulations. Yeah. And do you worry at all about what you whether you're overextending and constantly? I'm constantly yeah. worried that. There's just not enough. I say there's not enough time. I don't have enough hands. There's not enough days. But, you know, what I do is every day, I have a whiteboard. That's one thing. As soon as I get a thought in my head of something, oh, yeah, I've got to pay that guy. I've got to do this. I just write it on the whiteboard. Hmm. And then later I come around, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that, and that. I definitely feel like I'm completely overextended. Um, and, you know, like by the time I get to 
do Sunday school on Sundays. I'm like, oh, I got to prepare a lesson because this year it's just me in the classroom. So now I have to like, it's not a serious lesson, but are you, you the do only have Sunday to, school teacher for uh, first and I think it's through first to third grade or second Jeez. and third grade. So I have a curriculum. They gave me a curriculum. So when do you <laughs> find time to like take a shit? I, I just go in my pants. <laughs> I just go in my pants. And then there's everything else in life. Like, I need my blood pressure medication, so I've got to get to a doctor. And I, when am I going to do that? Don't put that a, stuff off. I'm just like... You can't do any of the other stuff if you're dead. <laughs> I know. And I want to do my podcast, our yes, podcast, yes. every single week. Um, the good news is I feel like, at least now, that we've really shed... We're going to shed this, the corporate shadow of the previous management, which is just poison. I mean, poison. And... Um, it's just going to feel so good to move just a, a new start, but the move is going to be, it's, it is very tricky. Like one of the real boring things, I'm not going to like lose listeners about this, but changing to another corporate email server, Ugh. just, just getting the, you know, it's like the whole thing and it, uh, it's just, you know, but that that's crazy. the boring part, but what about the people part? Are there, and you don't have to share, but yeah. I imagine there's a little bit of a shakeup. Well, yeah, I mean, when we finally decided that this has to, we got to cut this off right now, I had to let uh, f- about four people go who mm. I had brought on a few months before because I was like, if we're going to make this work, I need, you know, help. And I need people to be doing the billing, collecting, to help me with this and that. And after a couple months of that, we just couldn't. We couldn't get there fast enough. Like the timing, like maybe in another year, yeah. we could have. But we didn't have a giant loan you don't anymore. Have the runway, like to do right. a year. And and I felt awful about that. I hate letting people go, and it's just the worst. It's the worst feeling. But you know, once we did it, I had this amazing relief. Like, okay, now we have a chance. Yeah. And not only that, you know, I'm going to be an owner in this next situation, and pretty much the owner. But like. I'll have a partner or something. I'm thinking about working with this neurologist. In any case, um, there's there's hope. And so I have to believe that my life will not be like this permanently. I mean, aren't these better problems to have than the ones you had like five or six years ago? Yeah, I used to, I, I've been saying to myself, man, I wish my only problem was don't use or do drugs. Because yeah. for me, and I think for all of us here and a lot of people, for a good period of time, and as it should be, your number one focus is just to not use, just That's to right. stay sober. And I did that for so many years. Um, it's just, I miss that problem. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like, I miss sure. my life being so simple that the, the big thing to do was just just don't drink today. Yeah. You know, I would love that, but it wasn't, you know, this is the next phase in life. This is what I've been avoiding mm-hmm. by drinking and using. Right. I've been avoiding really becoming an adult and taking responsibility for my life. And well, what do they say? When uh, you get sober, all you get back is your life, right? Yeah. 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 So, um, so that's, that's the situation. And um, I think, I think we're headed in a very positive direction. I just have to keep my energy up. You know, that's the thing. And it's a lot of coffee and taking care of myself. And I meditate a couple times, like 30 seconds of meditation. I do. (laughs) Bite-sized chunks. I do that. Yeah, like today, there's too many things are happening at once. I'm on the phone. There's an email. The secretary, someone's on the phone for you. Oh, you forgot to do this. It's just, I just take a breath. Just like that. And then... It, it helps. Yeah. It's better than taking a drink. Right. You know, so I've learned a lot about myself for sure. And a lot about, 
independent medical exams. Yeah, which yeah. is fascinating. World. Super exciting. Yes. <laughs> so Just thanks for now. asking. Yeah, so <laughs> I'm really sorry. And I had to, I talked to my brother and my parents today because they've been trying to get me on the phone for, you know, like weeks and mm. I just, and what else, I just don't have the time. Like when they call me, I'm putting one kid to bed or right. making the other one do homework. And by the time I have a minute, it's time for me to sleep, mm -hmm. you know? And, um, well, I feel like I'm well, accomplishing stuff, but I'm just, I'm so stretched out, you know? Well, I'm glad you made it here today. Yeah. Sorry I didn't you know? breathe and I just spoke for like 10 minutes. No, that's <laughs> just, I got to get it out. I gotta get it you out. have to get it out. I can tell it was stuck in there oh. like a, like a piece of underdone potato. Yeah. So good share. <laughs> yes. Good share. Thanks for sharing your experience. Was that experience, strength, strength and, and hope? hope? Yeah. Yes, I was. gave the hope at the end. I just yeah. do it naturally. Yes. Well, you're, you're a hopeful guy. So you're, thanks you're for not, asking. You're not a pessimist. I, I'll, I'll say that about I'm it. I'm a perpetual optimist. You are. And and that's kind of my job, too, is to constantly be making people. Because when I walk in the door, I have to put a good face on. And so because they're looking to me to know what I'm doing, mm. or at least to be confident that what we're doing is going to be the right thing and we're going to be okay. The and fact that you think about that is yeah. is amazing because there's so many sociopaths that that are in upper echelons of management yeah. that I really delight in torturing other people. Yeah, and, and you are definitely not that that person. You're not taking your personal issues out on the on the people no, who work with you. Not not at all. And um, it's just not me. And and I like it when I. But it's also a lot of emotional energy. Yeah, you know, to be course. giving out. But oh, this is the path I have chosen. Yeah. For better or worse. It's your karma, man. I should have been a therapist, you know? Yeah. Speaking of which, how, how are you doing, Grant? Um, uh, what was the segue from the, I should have been a therapist? Yes. I'm, I'm doing well. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I was just thinking when you were saying, Nat, that you wished you were back in that simpler time. I was pretty close on my walk last night to the sober living house that I was in where I was unemployed and I had nothing but time and I have no nostalgia for that period yeah. because all I wanted was something better. So yeah. I just keep that in mind when I'm busy these days. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to yeah. keep that perspective. Yeah. So you, you recently celebrated two years of sobriety, Grant? I did. August 10th. August 10th. Hey. Which, which, yeah. which coincidentally is the day after Jerry Garcia's birthday. And uh, yes. you've been, you know, when you sent us a couple of things that you wanted to talk about, uh, one of the things was a reflection on um, the fact that you've now lived as long as Jerry Garcia. And that, <laughs> that resonated with me because I, when I turned 53, I had the same sort of thought journey uh, about, you know, uh, how I got there and, and, you know, how I'm lucky that I managed to get my shit together and didn't end up like old Jerry. Um, but you, you also wrote uh, a longer piece about that. Yeah. I've, I, I've now scaled back on sober linings playbook a little bit. And I, instead of two email blasts a month, I do one, but I decided that's what I was reflecting on. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think about Jerry Garcia all that much. I was never a huge deadhead, you know, maybe went to 12 shows, but 1995, August 9th, the day he died, I was on a bike ride with a friend and we were, you know, longest bike ride I was ever on. We were going down the Oregon and California coast about a day from home. It was really hot. We got to a campground. We had no food except for a guy gave us a can of beer and two raw hot dogs that we split. <laughs> and we had, my friend had a radio and we had been hearing, I don't know, somehow that day we heard that um, Jerry had died. And so we listened to the radio and we could just 
hear about it. And at the time I was 26 and a half and he was 53. So I was exactly half his age. And I thought he was an old man. So it didn't have yeah. a lot of relevance for right. me. But this year, I don't, somehow I thought about that again. I'm 53. He was 53. And so I can no longer see that as old man unless I'm like, consider myself an old man. But also in August, Anne Heche died. She was 53. Mm. She's got her oldest is about the age of my kids. And I just, you know, I feel pretty good in sobriety. And I hadn't thought about kind of the tenuous nature of it. And, you know, I, I don't white knuckle it every day. And I, I kind of cringe when I hear people say, we'll see what tomorrow brings. And I'm just going to hope I get through today because yeah. that sounds like an awful way to live. But I started to think about it. You know, what, what makes a difference between Anne Hayes, who struggled, and Jerry Garcia, who struggled, and both of them didn't live to 54, and I fully planned to live past that. And I don't know. I'm, I'm not, you know, when I wrote that, I think I was a little more struggling with it than I am now. And I wrote in that piece, and again, I'm not a scuba diver, but I wrote, I think I've hit this kind of neutral buoyancy place where things aren't pushing mm -hmm. and pulling me all the time. But like a diver, I recognize there's always dangers. So you got to have the buddy system. That's you guys. Absolutely. RMA network and um, meetings I go to, and then the tools, extra equipment that I don't necessarily use every day, mm. but they're there if I need them is the meditation, the reading exercise, all of that. So um, not, not so much thinking about it as much as when I was writing. So I'm feeling pretty good today. Yeah, I'll just issue a quick correction. I, I said that Jerry's birthday was the ninth. That was actually the day he died. His birthday is the first, August first. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. So he was just uh, fifty three. I don't want people yeah. to write. It's write amazing. Me. <laughs> well, the Deadheads call the the time between his birthday and his death day, which were both in August, as the days between, which is also the name of a dead song. Ah, it's very involved. Interesting. Uh, and a I, I was always worried about twenty seven when we were growing up. Oh, yeah. It was the twenty seven club. You yeah. know, and Jimi so, Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Pigpen from the Grateful Dead, yeah, Kurt, Kurt Cobain, Cobain. Yeah. and there's more. I just can't remember, but yeah, I didn't plan on living past thirty. What's her name? From uh, England, England lady, the one who died, the Queen of England. She, she drank was ninety six. Oh, uh, the Queen of England didn't drink that much. No, no, no. Oh, um, oh, maybe. Uh, Amy Winehouse. I, rehab. I was kidding. Amy Winehouse. Amy Winehouse. Yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting that one day at a time thing, right? Because, you know, I remember when we started this podcast, I have a distinct memory of saying to myself, you know, I, there's not a lot of stuff that I really like from AA, but I do like the one day at a time thing. But the longer I get from the last time I had a drink, yeah. the less I like that one day at a time thing. I liked it in the beginning because it was helpful to me, you know? Oh, but you but, evolved as a I, recovering I person. I just find that now that if you're, if you're just living in this state of uncertainty, like, you know, maybe tomorrow mm. I, I'll have a drink, but today I won't. It kind of leaves the door open that tomorrow maybe you will. But it's easy from where we're standing to kind of Monday night quarterback it and say, wow, ah, you know, but when I think yeah, back. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like in the beginning, it you was really, extremely helpful. Yeah. Sometimes I, it was an hour to, at a time. Or but yeah, a few it's good to adjust that, you know, as your recovery grows. You know, you can adjust how you, just the same way I don't do, um, I don't go to a meeting every day anymore, you know, because we're evolving with our, but the trick is not for me, not to get too relaxed and to get too confident or to depend too much on things like work and staying busy to keep my mind off of drinking and using. So it's easy to get yeah. complacent though. It yes. really is because, um, you know, you, you know, we haven't done one of these in three weeks. Ugh, I know, know, and this is my, and, like, I and, need this. You know, I was thinking, you know, 
Like, what if we get to the point where we're just so busy that we can't do it? And mm-hmm. I started thinking like, man, I don't like, I don't like thinking down that road because if all of this is gone, if all of my connection yeah. to like this, the sobriety world, the universe, the struggle, the people yeah. who are, you know, struggling, um, like what's going to happen to me? You know, like yeah. I, I just don't have that. And, you know, which also sort of flies in the face of this conceptualization that I have that you can be cured from this, right? That it's not a continual ongoing process forever. Yeah. So this is but, but fear. But I guess if you look at recovery with a, with a small R as something by itself, you can recover from the desire to use alcohol or drugs, but recovery with a capital R is just basically your life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, the bigger stuff that we all start to get to once we've got some space from the using. Cause I don't want to recover yeah. the person that I used to be. I want to become somebody <laughs> right. else. I didn't, the person that I used to be was the one that got fucked up all the time. It's so funny. You said that I was thinking that the other day someone said, or I think it was my mother. She said something like, um, Oh, you're you're finally back to to you, and I said, "Ma, I am nothing like I used to be." You know, like this is much much better. I said, "I know, maybe you're, she's thinking of me at seven, but that same thing. Like, I don't. Yeah, it's a good point. We don't. I don't want to recover that person. I want to be a better person, a new person. Mm. And that's, maybe instead that's of." Recovering the person you used to be, or uncovering the person you're supposed to be. Boom! You can yeah. can be. It's, uh, that it's, was good. It's uncovery. <laughs> uncovery. I uncovery. love it. <laughs> Let's trademark that. I like that. Got a lawyer in the room. Yep. By, by the URL. <laughs> Get my yeah. lawyer in this one. <laughs> so, um, so we've been talking back and forth with the Soberlink folks about oh, yeah. uh, doing a uh, doing some stuff with them. And they sent us a little agreement to sign. And I'm, I wasn't sure if I was spo- we were supposed to read the, the copy this week or not. So, oh, should um, we? So no, I, it's, not it's not October. It's not October. It said before it was October starting. Yeah, we oh, don't want to give any fantastic. freebies. We don't want well, any freebies. I mean, I, you know, now that we have, I mean, what we we'll have, lead though, up to is it. we have a, a guest who has had firsthand experience with this product. That's so why it's perfect I'm, that he's here yeah. to talk about it because I just think when I w- we were first speaking with them, um, Grant introduced them to us, um, I thought to myself, wow, this is actually a great topic because it's self-binding. It's actually a really, really cool technology and we learned about it when Grant was early on in his recovery, mm-hmm. he was doing using Soberlink. Or I'll let you tell us what you were uh, using Soberlink for, well, but it was really interesting. First, I want you to explain the concepts of self-binding for people that don't remember that episode. Self- it, it comes from Maya Salovitz's book, right? Yeah. Anna Lemke. Anna Lemke. Sorry. I always get those two mixed up. Sel- Sel- Which is the one that did Coke with Jerry Garcia? Uh, that was Maya. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anna's the Stanford professor. Maya's journalist and author. And she'll be at DopeyCon, I think. Hey, will she? I, I've heard yeah. that, yeah. And I'm going to get down there. So self-binding is like, like put, you could picture it like you're putting on guardrails uh, to use. So like you're, you're doing things that will make it impossible. for Like a, a self-binding technique would be Soberlink, but it's like you put the blower in your car. Mm-hmm. That's a way to prevent yourself from driving drunk. So it's uh, like if you freeze your credit card in a block of ice and put it in the freezer so you don't use it. Self-binding. Like okay. Yeah. All right. So this is kind of like that, and, and that's how you were using it, I think, right? How did you, how did, yeah. What is Soberlink? Yeah, so Soberlink is a 
I'm not a spokesperson for Sobolink. I just it's going <laughs> to well, sound a, like I am. It's but, a device, you know, though, right? But it's a little device. It's about the size of a cell phone, maybe a little fatter, a little shorter, and it it's a breathalyzer. And but what it does is it connects via Bluetooth with your phone, and it it's it sets up reminders for when you, you set it by contract, how often you're going to be tested, who the results are going to go to. You get a reminder, you blow into it. I've tested it with my daughter once. You can't, it's got facial recognition. So you can't have somebody else blowing in there. It detects if it's not human breath. So you blow into it. (laughs) You can't make the cat, you can't make the cat blow into it. They know alcoholics, man. (laughs) Wow. They must really know they got us. And, um, and the results go to you and whoever you designate. So it's used sometimes in institutional settings, um, you know, in treatment facilities will use it. I got it because it was suggested to me by my wife that I get one of those interlock devices for my car. And I thought, uh, I had one of those if I get back to the work world and I go out to lunch with somebody. That's the last thing I want to do. It's not the greatest conversation starter. Yeah, so sure. I, I did the research. There's a couple out there, but um, to me, based on the features and stuff, the Silverlink just sort of seemed like the gold standard. So yeah, I used it for two years and I had three tests a day that, default or the recommended is is or i said i had three tests the default is two tests a day but i did it i was kind of a more i was an all-day drinker so i did it for morning seven noon and nine p.m um and it just it was i I say and you can i'll maybe i'll give you the link to the testimonial that i did recently and put that oh cool but i i say in that and it's true that it was a way i needed some help getting distance between me and alcohol and Soberlink was the way to do it because mm. if I ever had any thoughts that, you know, maybe this was the time I was going to break down, I was really motivated by not having my family knew that I blew a, a dirty test in the right. Silverlink device. So it really worked for me. Mm. Um, comes with a cost. It's not for everybody because of that. And you got to be motivated yeah, that, right. you know, if you don't care what others think around you, right. um, then you know, then it's not going to work. But for me, it was a great motivator and it's pretty discreet. Now I do sound like a spokesperson. You can bring it into work. I'm like, nobody has to know. I'm trying to make this not sound like a commercial because we really, I'm just kind of curious at this point because we haven't signed anything. You know, I'm I'm just, you know, and, and like last week, or the week before I saw something on the news where they've been introducing a couple of senators have been introducing this idea that all new cars uh, sold in the U.S. should have an interlock device. No way! On. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. So, I don't know if I like that. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I, it I, sounds a little too intrusive, but it makes sense. Like you shouldn't be able to, but like I don't. But that know. got me to thinking. Like you could probably cure the drunk driving problem. Uh, well, <laughs> that that's a loaded statement. You could probably seriously address drunk driving. Uh, by just enforcing the existing laws, because any bar that you have to drive to, when you drive away from the bar, you're going to be drunk. Yeah. So if the cops want to just, I mean, they do that sometimes, right? Really, Don't though. they have like a drunk every trap? every bar on Long Island? Yeah, you, you could just have a cop sitting outside the bar. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I'm seeing an Uber-like service where this is going to sound dirty, but I'm the designated blower. <laughs> Start your car. For right, me. right. <laughs> well, I guess if you're in an Uber, you, you probably don't. Well, you know what? There, I've had well, some, no, but I, I have had know, parallel to Uber. You can call me. I'll come over and right. blow in your interlock device. <laughs> Ooh, 
Cal- California. Start, yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, yeah. I've had some Uber drivers recently that probably should have had an interlock device in there. Really? Their yeah. And that device, by the way, I had one called Intoxilock that was <laughs> mandated. Yeah, that's the brand. It was Intox with an X, a lock. And um, it would go off. Uh, while you were driving too, so you'd have to blow it. Yes, and then I'd be on the highway, and it would be like beep beep beep. beep. And I'm like, oh shit! And I'm a horrible driver to begin with, so I'm reaching for the thing. You know, I'm like, it's just. And when one time I had uh, I had a new job or something, and I had to drive my uh, the, <laughs> my boss somewhere, and I had to blow in it. You know, <laughs> like I it, it was like I couldn't get away from it. It was just like, yep, I just did it, and then I pretended like you know. Uh, but it's very embarrassing. You know, I was always ashamed that one of my uh, kids' friends would see it right. or when I would go somewhere. So it's it's really, it feels shameful. But this Soberlink sounds like it's way more like you can, it's more discreet, right? You're not going to be yeah. found out. You can keep it hidden. It comes with a hard little case and you can... You know, I, I worked in an office as well as at home and I found in an office I could, you know, shut a door in an, in an office or go into a bathroom and nobody can, you know, or even go out to the car in the parking lot. And you were uh, sharing um, it with and, your wife and stuff like that. Like you were using it to sort of make her feel better. I think you had said, or you yeah, I mean, there's a couple things. One is it helped me help motivate me to stay away from drinking, but it also helped me regain the trust of yeah. my wife. I mean, so many years of dishonesty and keeping my stuff hidden, which is, what I did. Me too. Um, it, it really helped. And I actually had some fear when I went off and just, I think I wrote to you about this um, when we were setting this up in our recycle bin, my wife went out there the other morning or a couple weeks ago to throw something away. And it had been sitting out on the curb all night. And she said, there's a beer bottle mm-hmm. in, the, in the recycle. Yep, bin. That's happened to me too. It wasn't mine because I was the guy in my active drinking. I didn't throw it in our can. I yeah. threw it in the neighbor's can. <laughs> right. Clearly your neighbor's the alcoholic here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had that and, same and problem. And it was beer, and I'm gluten free now. Right. So, but that's a whole other thing. We don't have to get into that unless you want. But well, you you so you got a, a, a diagnosis of celiac, I guess, and mm-hmm. so that's like no gluten anymore. Oh, that's legit. Like that's really yeah, serious. Right? I'm trying to get. I've read studies, and there's really you know at least in the short term no difference for people that have mild celiac on in terms. Of, and I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get probably or you're going to get a reaction from me saying this but um you know i think the jury's out on do you have to go complete abstinence or not if you look at the research (laughs) that said you can just imagine there's a community around this who are worried about cross-contamination yes i'm not an expert so don't take my word for anything is there a harm reduction approach that you can take to uh the uh the gluten-free thing maybe there's like you try and do some self-binding do you like lock up the bread half almond flour i I have an appointment with a nutritionist to ask about all these details but you know it and it is there's parallels there's a i'm on a private facebook group i like this one better but i'm on <laughs> one that's all about gluten-free and oh wow people get on there and they talk about their worries about going to an event like a wedding sounds very much like our group that's mm-hmm. interesting and they feel very excited when they see a menu in some out of the way place we i was in mount uh near mount rainier with my family in washington not long ago and we were at a little diner and they had a whole gluten-free section or you could substitute any one of their sandwiches with gluten-free bread and i thought that's just cool. for me yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's nice um, 
And, but you know, the difference is I never need a pizza. I never, I don't, I didn't self-medicate with food. Now some people do and food can yeah. certainly be an addiction, but Definitely. it's a, it's a different thing for me to give up gluten than mm. it was to give up alcohol. Yeah. I, I, um, my late wife's, uh, cousin was, had a celiac dis- uh, uh, diagnosis and I didn't know about it. And we were down at, uh, uh, parents farm for this thing and there was an extra toaster there and i and i put my bread and i toasted my bread in there and holy shit did cross I, contamination yeah man she freaked out on wow. me and i you know this is back before like yeah, before everybody was, was gluten free and whatever and i'd never heard of celiac disease and uh yeah i apologized profusely because i had no idea that i can cont- cont- but then she couldn't have bread the rest of the she couldn't use the toaster the rest of the weekend i felt uh, terrible about that i mean that, that's interesting the parallels because we've been talking about i think we talked about this last week the parallels between all addiction mm. you know and that there are so many of these parallels like the consequences are different but a lot of the things that we had to do to stop using and and all of that applies i use it for quitting vaping i'm you're you know it's the same kind of things with you know the gluten so it's really like just trying to like grow and not do something you actually want to do because it's bad for you i think yeah. that's just sort of you know it seems to be universal yeah so how is it not having yeah how do you feel bread i feel no different except i'm i have lost weight and that's because oh. all this stuff that I would snack on normally right. is out of bounds for me right now. You so, can fit into your wedding dress. I, you know, I didn't really have symptoms before. I had a family history of it, and I went to a wedding in Iowa, and somebody mentioned it to me, and I thought kind of on a whim I'll get tested, not thinking what am I going to do if it's positive. Mm. And so, yeah, have I know, and, you know, I got tested because they mentioned the symptoms, GI stuff. It's never mm-hmm. fun to talk, yeah, talk yeah. about what this is. Yeah, I'm lactose intolerant. And, but, yeah. You know, and I'm never sure what's normal and what's not. So I gave it a try. I haven't noticed any difference, but it's only been a couple months. And I know with alcohol, I keep on discovering new layers of how things are different physically mm. and, and psychologically. So mm. I know keep at it. All right. All right. Moving on from the middle-aged men health-ish part of the show. Three, uh, three, three dope dads <laughs> moving on. We just lost a whole bunch of people there. <laughs> uh, I'm kind of curious as to, uh, if you could enlighten us on the work you've been doing with uh, Shatterproof lately. Yeah. Uh, so I think I told you um, in one more thing on Soberlink. I think yes. every time I've come on your show now, I've mentioned Soberlink in one way or another. So. Yeah, they always back advertising. Yeah, you know, well, you yeah, I'm just saying, mention that to them. <laughs> yeah. I think I told you last year when I came on that I had started volunteering for an organization called Shatterproof. It's mm-hmm. a national nonprofit. They do a lot of advocacy and education around improving the quality of addiction treatment, reducing stigma. But I heard their founder and CEO on a podcast and he was talking about one of their initiatives. It's a online treatment locator. And when I went to get treatment, well, at least even before I went to get treatment, I thought the options were AA meetings or a 28 day stay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's in the movie, 28 days with Sandra Bullock. I didn't know about outpatient treatment. I didn't know any of that. So this locator actually has an assessment that you can take and it will pop up with results. And more than likely, it's going to suggest outpatient treatment, which I didn't even know existed. So there's an educational component to it. It's Anyone can check it out. It's called treatmentatlas.org is the URL. 
Um, but it's up in, it's got treatment providers in 10 states right now where we're, I'm working to add California treatment providers to it. But it's a really robust search engine where you can look up, you know, by location, by the payment type, or if you're on Medicaid or whether you have private insurance and which insurance that is, services they provide. There's also measures of quality built into it. So there's, we worked with experts around the country to look at what are the best practices, fast access to treatment, medication for opioid and alcohol use disorder. And so we built that, those quality measures into the data that providers give to us. And so we can um, somebody can do a side-by-side -side comparison. It's kind of like a financial search engine where you're looking at different retirement plans. You can put three up on the page side-by-side -side and compare them. You can also do patient reviews. Um, oh. So, And we have sort of a natural language process to built in and some other checks, including some human checks, to make sure that they're real reviews and not just sort of uh, rants from the same person. But so uh, yeah, it's, it's a great tool. Is this is this a new thing? Are there other online directories? I mean, what what's the what was the idea behind creating this one? Yeah, so there definitely are SAMHSA, the uh, the federal administration right. that oversees mental and health and substance use issues. They have a national treatment locator. It doesn't have quality measures built into it, and there have been some articles recently that it's not updated frequently. There's mm. definitely definitely some local ones, and there's there's other treatment locators. But this is unique. It's free. It's free for providers to sign in, sign up, and provide their information and be on there. And it's got the assessment tool. There's no others that I've seen out there that have a ASAM blast, a American Society of Addiction Medicine blessed assessment that somebody can take to guide them to match them to the right treatment. Wow. And, um, and it's just, you can filter in so many ways, not just by location, but by what your needs are. And, and, it sounds and then so it cool. also part of the sustainability, I think, is it provides data to the providers about so they can compare how they are against their peers, but also state and local governments can look so they can geographically see how services are distributed and where the gaps are. So we're trying to make it useful in a lot of ways so that, uh, so that we will survive, people will need it and, and find it useful. So um, it's interesting. You, it almost reminds me of like uh, like a travel rating site, like uh, uh, TripAdvisor or something. You know, like so. So you guys don't have the, the manpower probably to go out and visit these facilities, right? So most of the data on there is self-reported by the facilities themselves. Yes. Uh, so yeah, is there and any that's way the that way it would have to be even you know, quality Sam, control. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm just. Is there any like? So you're not you're not making a qualitative value judgment about whether it's a good place or not a good place. It's just you're just providing the information right. and a review if somebody decides to post a review. Well, we do. I mean, the one thing about quality is we require providers to answer questions that roll up into our quality measures. Do okay. you offer treatment quickly, even mm -hmm. refer out if you can't have space? Do you offer medications? But you're right. It's all self-reported. We have a number of ways to, to ensure validity as much as we can. And one is that well, first of all, somebody in a leadership position, like ideally the CEO of each facility has to attest uh, to the fact that the data is accurate. We work with the licensing bodies in the states where we have providers so we can check the data they give us against the licensing data they have. We, you know, any, the survey itself that we use has 
logic built into it to make sure that the responses are consistent. And then we do an annual update, which is just another check to make sure that the data is accurate. And we'll, we'll follow up if we see on a website that something looks different than on their website, mm. than the information they give us. We'll follow up until we get that resolved. How long do, until you think it goes countrywide? You know, I don't have any predictions on that right now. We are moving at a fast pace. We started with a pilot a couple of years ago in six states. We're now in 10. Once we have 11, we're going to cover uh, about 43% of the population in the U.S. And we have some agreements with other states now. And my hope is that there will be a tipping point where people will see, you know, we and we already hear it at conferences from providers who say, you know, we've got a facility in that state, but we'd like to add our facilities in this state, but we aren't there yet. And so right. um, I would, you know, I, I would hope that within the next five years or so, we'll be pretty much nationwide. Super. It's so great that you're getting to work, uh, you know, with Chatterproof, because I remember when you were like volunteering and it to me, it sounded like, wow, that could be a really cool career, you know, for Grant, uh, you know, but I didn't think or I didn't know that maybe that could be, you know, could move on. And I think it's just it's so cool. Like it sounds like like a like a dream job for somebody who like us, you know, who's in recovery and is thinking about it. And it gives you so many different it just sounds great. You know, it's like you have an opportunity to help, to give back. It's a job. You know, you're working with other people in recovery. You're, you know, pushing the, the cause forward. It just sounds great. Yeah, I'm having a ball. And sometimes I look and think, is this just the strangest thing? I have no background. I mean, a little bit in health, but not really in public health or, or and certainly not addiction. And, you know, is this just like a new obsession? And I sort of pretended to be expert on this stuff. And, and I'm not just to anyone listening. I'm not an expert on addiction or treatment or recovery. Um, but I play one on, on a podcast. Yes, yes like, us too. And <laughs> fake it till you make but, it. <laughs> but yeah, it was like, it's, it's almost like the thing that I always thought was bunk about manifest a new career. But I started doing this stuff. I did a little counseling. I did the website. I you know, got involved with, with your Facebook community and then volunteered for Shatterproof. And when they started moving into California, that's when I decided, you know, I'm ready for a career change. And so it's great. I wake up every day just happy about what I'm doing. Oh, that's man. Fantastic. So happy for you, Grant. Give us that URL again so people want to reach out and find it. Yeah, thanks. It's treatmentatlas.org. Super. Well, or, or you can go to shatterproof.org and read all about the things that Shatterproof does. Awesome. We will uh, throw a link in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, so you folks and I should mention I'm out. not here in an official capacity today, but, um, <laughs> but yeah. I, neither are I we. I didn't by our folks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> Who asked about your numbers? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, if they, you know, if Shatterproof wants to advertise, we're we're a nonprofit. We have a pretty lean budget, so we're we're hoping that that you all will, or maybe maybe I'll write to uh, to Dopey. We would we would always <laughs> uh, we would always share that information for free. Yeah, or the CEO that. guy sounds interesting. Yeah. He goes on podcasts, and maybe that would be uh, yeah an, a good appearance. Um, yeah. Oh, what did you say? The the he's, CEO? Yeah, you were talking about he was on a yeah. podcast. He he's actually got a, a very compelling story huh. as a as a parent and somebody in recovery. He lost a son who struggled Oy. with addiction. So I was at a conference in Long Beach earlier in in August and he came and gave the keynote and 
<clears throat> myself included, there were people in tears. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, All right. I think we've come to that point. In Which the, point? We've come to that point in the show where we're going time to, to boot the guest. No, 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 no. I actually, I actually <laughs> sticking with us. If you have a few one. minutes, I, I would like, I, I would love it if you could stick around for uh, recovery in the news. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Recovery in the news. Recovery in the news. Recovery. <laughs> recovery. Motherfucker. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Wow, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> Recovery you, in the news. Can you hear the music, Grant? Or does it just seem like he's yeah, scatting I can. overnight? I can. Okay. Right. Oh, good. You don't want to hear this acapella. It's not good. Are you asking because I came in too early with the motherfucker? No, no, no. I'm just I'm curious uh, what... Because if I use the audio from here, like I've used yeah. the audio before from the camera and it doesn't pick up anything off the board. So, it's, it, you know, when you post the video, it's basically him doing that without any music. It's hilarious. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. You can hear me hit the falsetto, you know, yeah. it's yeah. not good. So, uh, yeah, I wanted you to stick around for Recovery in the News because today's Recovery in the News article comes from uh, Forbes. And I actually picked it off uh, Sober Linings Playbook, which I should have had you talk a little bit about that, actually. Well, now I'm going to have to go back to that and see if I can find it. <laughs> go ahead, jog my memory. Um, okay, so the, uh, this article came from September 23rd, Forbes.com. Uh, White House announces $15 billion for worsening opioid crisis. Ring any bells? Throwing more money. Yes. Yeah, at the it does. Opioid it pack. does. You probably read read it more thoroughly more recently. I go through a lot of articles every week. So, <laughs> what, what were you going to ask or say about it? Well, uh, the White House on Friday, I guess this is last Friday, announced one point five billion dollars in funding to tackle the nation's opioid epidemic, uh, a major health crisis, as we know, that reached record levels during the COVID nineteen pandemic, exacted an enormous economic and human toll, and continues to worsen despite the efforts of activist government and healthcare providers. I thought that that $1.5 billion in funding was a very interesting amount of money, considering that it's not even a tenth of the money that the Sacklers made from the in profits from selling opioids. Well, yeah. you have to keep in mind, it's on top of what they've committed for this year already. So it's an addition. Yes. I'd like to know how this this funding is being dispersed, you know? Which like. The one point five well, billion, like what? Are, where does it I'll go? Tell you, what it, do they do? It's going to uh, expanding access to recovery support services. But what does that? I don't mean? know what that means. Alone and treatment for substance abuse disorders. But twelve million dollars of it is going to law enforcement agencies, uh, which adds to. $275 million of funding for law enforcement agencies announced in April that will help officials prevent overdoses, take down trafficking operations, and tackle violent crime associated with drugs. Oh, vey. So, you know, I, I mean, obviously it's difficult to, in, in an article that's posted on the Forbes website on the internet, to get right. down into the granular level of where this money is going. But it just seems like a lot of bromides are coming out of the white house in terms of like where this money is going yeah i mean and i don't have really much of a background in how the federal government spends its money on um on uh to, to fight the opioid crisis grant do you do you have any idea where this no, money goes what are they I doing mean, i've been a, an observer for the last couple of years but i you know i i'm much more attracted to state of california and i find it difficult to um track federal legislation and federal spending from um you know, the administration, but, you know, we're never going to throw money at, 
you know, an, the opioid or some other drug crisis without also putting it in law enforcement. Right. It's just a reality. So right. look at percentages and at least at that 1.5 billion, 12 million is not huge. But, you know, I've talked before that I think that the, and I'm not the, I, a lot of people, observers have seen this, that the fentanyl scare mm. and a lot of the misinformation has led to kind of a, uh, kind of a regurgitation of, the way that we crack down on crack. Right. I mean, there's a different story about overdoses that maybe gets into the, the middle class, but maybe more sympathy for the victim this time around. Yeah. But certainly just but, as much vitriol for the seller, which I sometimes think there's not that much difference. You know, yeah, they don't selling care. Selling is often a part of drug use. Well, it, the, the victim is a little whiter this time Well, around. I was about to just say that. I think we were all <laughs> uh, thinking that. But you the know. reality is not. It disproportionately hits black and brown people. Mm. In fact, I think there's an article in here saying that overdose deaths are disproportionately hitting American Indians and, and uh, African Americans. I think, or it's, I think it's in the the research study section. But um, but you hear the narrative about the yeah. um, you know the suburban well, kid until I, the uh, the captain of the football team you know tries a little cocaine at a party and it's fentanyl and he drops dead. Nobody was yeah. you know batting an eyelash. Well, I, I think the go the government's approach to this epidemic varied distinctly from the way it approached the crack epidemic yeah. in the 80s because this uh, this epidemic started with uh, with middle class white Americans in right. the south who were overprescribed you know drugs yeah. and they were considered somehow less to blame for their own problem than right. he's, African Americans he's comes from in the a good city, family you know? yeah. so i don't know I, I think there's probably a little racism inherent in the way that this is being Looked at, but I mean, I guess the proof's in the pudding, right? Like, where does, the, if that money, how is that money allocated to racial justice issues in the treatment of, uh, of, of this problem, you know, from neighborhood to neighborhood? And that I don't know, you know. I would say the one thing that's kind of refreshing, and some people will have a more cynical take and think I'm too optimistic about this, but if you read Biden's administration's you know, what he wants to do with the funding stuff he came out with at the beginning of the year, there's much more, and it's more than just a nod to harm reduction, mm. to, you know, fentanyl test strips and distribution of naloxone to reverse overdoses. Um, that's definitely a part of it. And they have extended during the COVID uh, crisis, you know, which I guess we're still in, yeah. they've um, allowed, you know, prescriptions of buprenorphine mm. medication assisted treatment for opioid use disorder through telemedicine yes. that may end so people are watching that but that's great there's also a federal proposal right now that's it made it through the house it's part of a bigger mental health package with the senate to um basically remove barriers to prescribing buprenorphine there's a lot of hoops that doctors have to jump oh, through it's a yeah. nightmare i went through this and yeah. even yeah. from where i was at for me to get prescribed Suboxone, which is buprenorphine, it was very, very difficult. And the doctors have to have a special extra certification mm -hmm. or a the license. waiver. Yeah. Right. And they're very, they, well, back then they treated me like a criminal. And I just remember feeling like, I don't know, like I was doing something wrong when I was going to them saying, you know what, guys? I'd really like to, you know, I don't want to relapse. I've heard this is very helpful. I know you prescribe it. And they would give me those packets, the Suboxone packets. And the doctor would hand me a week's worth only at a time. Mm. And I had to return the packages that I opened to prove 
that I didn't like sell them or something. Huh. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this feeling of I'm a criminal. I'm mm. like a bad person asking for something I don't deserve. Really, it's just medication well, to right. help you get it, better. It's so fucked up. So, so to hear that, I mean, if, if I could have got the oxy, than yeah, it is mm. to get the yeah the medicine yeah. to get you off the, the addiction. Yeah, your friend Sam around the corner, he's got it. You know, for whatever. So, if it were as available or easier to get as it is today with the telemedicine who knows how many people's lives would be saved mm. you know if they had you know because that is just a miracle drug and there's so much there's so much animosity in recovery i don't know if it's so much anymore but you know people like oh it's just another drug type of thing and it's just a, such ignorance you know and yes people can abuse it i mean anything you could abuse anything pretty much but to treat it like a street drug you know, even if you can buy it on the street, and that's what they say, they buy it from their dealers. I'm like, you know what though? You know, you could sell lisinopril on the street, but it still makes yeah. it good blood pressure medication. You know, any, uh, I, I mean, I think if you look at the statistics, any harm reduction modality that's been put into practice has saved lives. Yeah, whether it's this medication, yeah. whether it's safe injection sites, whether yeah. you know. Yeah, I've come around to that. I think early on, I was more against it when I was kind of being indoctrinated with, you know, conservative 12 step early on. Mm -hmm. And I've really, as you know, come around to because I went through it. I've seen it work and I've seen what fails. And then we're looking at the statistics and we're talking about it. And it really just looks like it's a no brainer. Yeah. To to encourage the harm reduction and, and uh, the needle exchanges. That's a thing that's very volatile the way people are, you know, discussing it and some people are against it. But, you know, the Alan, uh, Alan on, on on Patreon, on the uh, Discord, mm-hmm. he's always, you know, he'll post an article on how many people, you know, didn't overdose. It's or hundreds of people y- yeah. have been saved since they opened these uh, sites in New York City. Just in New York City. Yeah. yeah. What more do you need to know? Yeah. You know? I mean, it, yeah. it would be great if there was like an... And maybe there is, like, you know, an, uh, uh, you kind of gently steer people towards an off-ramp. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, it's a point you know, of contact. It is a point of contact. You exchange your needles, and then they hand you a pamphlet. Hey, did you know we've got a therapist yeah. that can, you can talk to? Uh, I heard, did you hear, Grant, about a clean, is it a clean needle vending machine, or was that just um, something Well, I've heard like of that, vending machines that have all sorts of, like, Chicago, Narcan. maybe Philadelphia, that have certainly naloxone right. in it That's i don't know it. about clean needles but certainly that would fit and would be public health departments have been starting those up mm. yeah and, and just having access and making it making a shame-free way to get help i think is yeah. really important abstinence is great yeah uh, but if you're if you're dead, you can't recover. You right. can't get well. Right. That's so, rock bottom. That's not mine. I rehab confidential, which is no longer going right now. Yeah, that's um, sad. I really like that show. Joe Trank, yeah, yeah. Um, Joe, Joe Trank Joe, often said that. Joe is actually working with um, who's the woman who used to live in Oyster Bay? Who, oh, uh, Vic Valley. Yeah, Veronica uh, Valley. Soberful. Soberful. Oh, They're yeah. working. She together. was in Sacramento last spring. I actually ran into her and had her sign a book. Yeah, yeah, I sold I her a few you, pairs of cleats for her kids. <laughs> I'm the only one in this room that has not actually met her. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, anyway, she's lovely. Yeah, she, she really uh, is. He appeared on her podcast uh, about a month ago, and they're trying to get a movie off the ground that will sort of burst the stigma of addiction. Mm. Uh, working on it from that angle, 
Um, we got to get them on the show. Yeah. I talked to Joe sort of on on Facebook. I'm just like someone who comments on his things that he'll respond to occasionally, and I feel like mm-hmm. you're talking directly to me. But um, <laughs> so I have this pseudo rapport with him, and I just, I mean, he's a little bit, he's a little, he's very direct with his opinions. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it's very off putting to people who disagree with him. Um, but I appreciate the cutting through the bullshit the way that he does. And ninety nine percent of the time, when he says something that people are pissed off about, I usually agree with him. You know, I would love to have him on the podcast, Joe. If you're listening, which you aren't, <laughs> I would love to talk to you on the show. Maybe I'll just make a comment on his Facebook page. Come on my show. <laughs> but he would be great to talk to. He's got such an interesting perspective. Yeah, yeah he does. And he was in that movie, The Anonymous People. Yes, um, right. At least a, a couple of speaking parts, we'll say. Yeah, his kids are brilliant. By the way, he's he posts pictures of his. You know, this kid's a doctor. That one's you know. So yeah. Congrats on that, uh, Joe Shrank. I'm just trying to pull up uh, while we're here quickly to see if I can come up with the. Uh, no, I can't. All right, I'll post the link in the show notes to their project. Uh, they're looking to raise some money from uh, crowdsourcing to get get the movie. Yeah, right. so I can't you know, wait for that movie. Yeah, I'll I'll reach out to him. You know, just the way I, I talk to him on Facebook. You know, in a comment. Who knows? Yeah, see if he wants to come on and talk about the the movie. I'm kind of curious. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. pretty responsive too. So, is uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah. But did you know that 109,000 people have believed to have died from a drug overdose last year? Yes, that's according to CDC data. It's true. <laughs> the figure up nearly 15 percent from 2020 marks the first time overdose deaths have topped 100,000 in a calendar year for a single 12-month period that grim milestone was first reached during the period ending april 2021 since then the number of overdose deaths has not fallen below a hundred thousand for a 12-month period very similar to the amount of people that die of alcohol every year is it mm-hmm. hmm. can i add something to that yes and this is a little bit of a plug so in 21 it was 107,000, and shatterproof had a generous match donation so you put in a dollar this family will put in a dollar i cannot remember their name of unfortunately but it was 107,000, and then when we reached that goal they went up to 150 and we're at about 148,000 now so if anybody wants to contribute a little money to that go to yeah. shatterproof.org yeah do it. Um, it i think no matter what our donation stuff pops up right away so yeah. you can avoid it so, well we'll yep. donate as a podcast we actually you know we can officially donate absolutely we? yes we're doing it I'm it'll doing come it. off yeah. of our massive corporate profits <laughs> i was gonna say right from your Silverlink <laughs> earnings to uh, it's literally tens of dollars tens of dollars you cycle <laughs> All right, so that's really recovery in the news. We kind of beat that article. We did. Death. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Never know Tim what to Manal do on the next? back end. Uh, yes, we do have a Tim Manal. You want to stick around for Tim Manal? Yeah, stick around for Tim Manal. Sure. Take my nicotine out. Love me some Bigfoot. Weak and weird. Ghost child filmed at notoriously haunted hotel in Arkansas? <laughs> that's course, a question. Of course in Arkansas. By who? Tim Banal. A spooky piece of footage circulating online appears to show a ghost child dash past the camera of a person staying in a notoriously haunted hotel in Arkansas. Posted on Reddit late last week, <laughs> so you know source. it's legitimate. <laughs> the eerie video was reportedly filmed at the Crescent Hotel and Spa in the city of Eureka Springs. Constructed in 1886, the building has long been said to be the home of a variety of spirits and has even... <laughs> Rye, gin, scotch... <laughs> <laughs> has even been called America's most haunted hotel by many individuals. In the video, which we will post a link to in the show notes. What are you trying to kill me? <laughs> an unnamed, a lot of links this week. <laughs> an unnamed woman... 
films around her room and makes note of the site's haunted reputation, declaring that she and her friend, who is seeing who is seen resting on a nearby bed, are looking at ghosts at the infamous site. Chillingly, it would seem that the pair did not have to wait too long or look very far for the spirits said to inhabit the building, as, while the woman was talking, a mysterious form that bears a striking resemblance to a young child can be seen scurrying past the camera. Scurrying? Scurrying. When the woman filmed her friend seconds earlier, it appeared that the pair were the only people in the room, and she has no reaction to the youngster that just ran a few feet in front of her. Making the creepy scene all the more intriguing is that the child seems to be making no noise, which is rather incongruous with what one might expect to hear from a rambunctious tot dashing around a room. <laughs> Alas, I love Tim Bedell. Alas. Alas, since the witness witnesses are unidentified, any additional circumstances surrounding the video are a mystery. That said, in light of the location of the scene and the odd manner in which the suspected child appears without any sound, many observers have suggested that the woman captured a genuine apparition at the haunted hotel. Skeptical viewers uh-huh. will, of course, argue that the ghost child is simply a real youngster that somehow went unseen earlier in the video. Either by happenstance or by way of creating a well-crafted hoax. Yes. Why do you leave the well-crafted hoax part out? I like to cut off you know, the end where they tell you what it really is because <laughs> I believe that children ghosts are the most frightening and disconcerting ghosts of all. Definitely. I can't uh, argue. I you. should have done the, the Nessie article. This one was kind of dry, but... <laughs> I got nothing. Yeah. I, I thought maybe if I was here in the room, I would stay with it and pay attention more, yeah. but yeah. I tuned out. Yeah, this is a bad one. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. I mean, you know, I prefer Bigfoot, frankly. Should we go for a Bigfoot story? Yeah. Not now. Okay, We'll fine. do it next week. Yeah. And that was a very boring week and weird... Uh, well, well, that about does it for today. It's I know time I had, to go. I know I had a great time. Did you? It was ducky. Did you guys have a great I time? I did. Great. Thanks so much for listening. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube, the and Twitter. Places. So tweet us at twat. You twit. Support your favorite show. Drop a five-star review. Join our private Facebook group. Buy a t-shirt or simply write and say hello. Uh, join the Inner Sanctum at patreon.com slash recovery in the Middle Ages to hang out with us and to hang out with Grant and all the awesome monsters on there. And finally, the best way to help the show is to share it with a friend. If you get something out of our show, please share the love and help grow the RMA movement. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. What is it, Grant? It's... <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Yes. (laughs) See you next time. Thank you so much, Grant. It was great to see you. Stay fresh. It was great to be here. Thanks. Stay fresh, cheese bags. Good night. Good night. Man, I should have gotten a Bigfoot. That's all right. You know, next time.